Friday, November 11th, 2016, here on Patriots Beat. Lots to talk about. Patriots coming out of a bye week, getting ready to face off against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night. We've got Kyle Hightower of the Associated Press, as well as Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune, here to talk all things Patriots and Seahawks, here on Patriots Beat. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Thank you very much, Larry. What's going on, everybody? Michael Andre here, filling in for Harris on episode 149 of Patriots Beat. Episode 149 is brought to you guys by Indochino. Instead of wasting your money on a generic off-the-rack suit that doesn't fit, be sure to visit Indochino for a custom made-to-measure suit at a great deal. And guys, right now, listeners in the Boston area can visit the showroom at 85 Newbury Street and pick from dozens of fabric colors and patterns. Guys, I've been in the showroom myself, and let me tell you guys, they will treat you right at Indochino. I got all my measurements done there in less than 10 minutes. My style guide, Jake, was really helpful, set up an account for me, and now I'm good to go. The, the fabrics and the designs and all sorts of stuff, the colors, everything is unmatched. You can pick anything you want. It'll have you looking good, feeling even better. This week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $389 when you mention the code PATRIOTS at the Boston Indochino Showroom. That is an $800 made-to-measure suit for over 50% off, just $389. Can't really beat that deal. So again, go to Indochino.com to book your appointment at their Boston showroom and get any premium suit for just $389 when you mention the code PATRIOTS. One more time, that's Indochino.com to book your appointment and any premium suit, $389 when you mention the code PATRIOTS at the showroom. Indochino, check it out. Uh, so guys, like I said, a ton of stuff to talk about this week. Patriots are obviously coming out of a bye week. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to go over. We're going to wrap up the Jamie Collins situation a little bit here. There was a little bit of information that came to light over the week. Not much. He's moved on. He's in Cleveland. Patriots are moving on with more than likely a Landon Roberts. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We'll also talk about Deion Lewis, who looks like he he's on track to be playing on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well, what's, what's led up to that. And we've got two great guests for you guys this week, Kyle Hightower of the Associated Press here in Boston, as well as Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune to give us our Seattle Seahawks perspective and our Behind Enemy Lions segment coming up in just a little bit. So let's get right into it. Let's start with the biggest news, and that would be Deion Lewis. It looks like Deion Lewis, guys, very well may be on track to play on Sunday night against the Seattle Seahawks, uh, which is something that I personally didn't see coming. I thought that They'd probably give him another week before they got him back out on the field, but uh, it looks like all signs are pointing to him possibly playing on Sunday night. Let me give you get you guys caught up to speed here uh, if you haven't been paying enough attention because obviously he's been out of the spotlight. Uh, they don't even let him talk to the media or anything like that. So they they let him start practicing again. Uh, he's on the physically unable to perform list still officially. Uh, they, he started practicing again on, on October 27th. So he's been about three weeks now. This is his third consecutive week of practice. He's been slowly ramping it up. Uh, he had two practices before the bye week, two light practices during the bye week, and then they've practiced uh, three days so far this week. 
uh, with today obviously being the final day of practice, probably a light walkthrough, if anything. So seven, seven practices that he's participated in since October 27th. Uh, he's been ramping it up. Like I said, he wore full pads a couple times. He's hitting, he's cutting, he's running, he's doing everything that you need to be able to do. Um, and everyone around him says he looks really good. Um, like Garrett Blunt said, yeah, he's looking really good in space. He's unreal. And, you know, uh, Mike Reese said, wow, he's looking really explosive at practice from the little bit we can see. And so we're obviously going to ask uh, Kyle Hightower, who's down at those practices every day as well. We're going to ask him how, how Lewis has been looking to him. And, I mean, look, as of as of Thursday, I was I'm sitting here thinking I'm getting ready for the show, and I'm saying, okay, we're gonna talk a little about Deion Lewis and see, you know, because he's probably gonna be back healthy by next week. And I'm thinking, okay, and then last night, Thursday night, I'm sitting here, and all of a sudden, the news drops that okay, Patriots released running back Tyler Gaffney from the 53 man roster. Okay, so that's not a that's not much of a, a news grabber like uh, it popped up on my phone and I was like oh okay but then you think about it and you say oh wait you know you look at Mike Reese tweets out oh well that, that could open up a spot for Deion Lewis potentially they also I mean they, they cut a running back so w- what does that mean what does that mean I swear, it must have been 15-20 minutes after uh, they released Tyler Gaffney that uh, Jeff Howe the Boston Herald tweeted out that a, a source told him that Lewis is on track to make his season debut Sunday against the Seahawks so it looks like the, the cutting of Tyler Gaffney was for a reason. It's so that Deion Lewis can be activated, join the active roster, and potentially play snaps on Sunday night. Now, it's not official yet, and they won't make it official until they, well, they don't have to make it official, until 4 p.m. on Saturday. So, 4 p.m. Saturday, if Deion Lewis is activated by then, he'll be able to play Sunday. If not, he needs to be activated by next Thursday at the latest in order to be eligible to play this season. So it's e- it was either going to be this week or next week if we, if we were going to see Deion Lewis at all this year. So the fact that it's this week, it's, it's got to have Patriots fans feeling pretty good that this guy must be coming back pretty healthy from what was a setback of an ACL injury that we thought he was going to be back for the beginning of the year, and then he had a setback. Now he's been out for 10 weeks. So this would be big for the Patriots offense. I personally think it'll be big for the Patriots offense. Um just adding another body in there. We, we all know that the Patriots uh, have so much depth, especially on their offense, have so much depth at every position that adding to the running back depth would just make them that much more formidable. Now, some people might want to say, hey, why would you mess with a good thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, LeGarrette Blunt is in the top you know, 10 in rushing this year. He's, I believe, leading the league in rushing touchdowns. So... Why would you want to mess with that? And then James White. James White has really shown a lot, especially over the past few weeks now that Tom Brady is back and really utilizing him a lot better uh, because Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett weren't necessarily looking for the check down to the running back as much in the first few weeks of the year. So you didn't necessarily see James White if he's gotten better or not. Then Tom Brady comes back in week four, week five, excuse me, and James White's had a a couple pretty big games, at least one big catch in each of the four games since Brady has been back. A couple touchdowns, and he's looking really good. Now the question is, do you want to mess with that? And the answer is yes. I mean, Deion Lewis is a better player than James White, at least in my opinion, and most of the opinions that I've heard. Uh, Deion Lewis is a better football player than James White. Uh, Deion Lewis is more elusive 
He's harder to tackle. James White still strikes me as that guy who, sure, he's fast and he's quick and he can make the cuts and he can run the routes and he can catch the football. But if a defensive player hits him, he goes down. He's not one of those guys. He's not like LeGarrette Blunt, obviously a different kind of running back, but LeGarrette Blunt's the kind of guy who gets hit and can keep his balance. Deion Lewis is the same kind of way. He gets hit and he can keep his balance. Uh, he's elusive enough to not even get hit, whereas James White I don't think is, is has the same elusiveness as Deion Lewis. So I really think it will be a huge boost to their offense, especially if you're talking about coming back to play this week against the Seattle Seahawks defense that has a lot of really good football players, you know. Uh, Earl Thomas, who's a ball hawk. Cam Chancellor, who's a monster. You know, Bobby Wagner. All these different guys. You're going to need to have a lot of different players doing a lot of different things. And if you can have Deion Lewis kind of running wild in the middle of the field along with Edelman and all sorts of stuff like that, uh, th- that's going to be a big boost for this Patriots offense. That's going to be a big boost for this Patriots offense, without question. Uh, so uh, that's really the biggest news uh, coming into the game. That, that you could see Deion Lewis, that it's a really good chance that you could see Deion Lewis uh, this Sunday. And if, if this is the case, if, if Deion Lewis isn't activated this week, he's absolutely getting activated for next week's game. Uh, so you, you're going to see Deion Lewis within the next two weeks, no question about it. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, guys. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to uh, Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune, Seattle Seahawks beat writer, He knows all things Seattle. He's going to give us uh, his take on their side of the game. Obviously, they had a tough game in Buffalo coming all the way across the country now in a short week, uh, so it's going to be tough for them. But uh, we'll be right back with uh, Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of CLNS Radio, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice, and live on CLNSRadio.com immediately after every single Pats game. Call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the play of the game, and everything else that is going on with the four-time Super Bowl champions. Subscribe to the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher and the best way. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere. All right, welcome back. We are joined by Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune, Seattle Seahawks beat writer. How's it going, Greg? I'm well, I'm well. How's everything? Pretty good. You know, excited for this game coming up on Sunday night, that's for sure. I know, obviously... Uh, Seahawks have been coming on strong as of late. Patriots have been rolling once uh, Tom Brady came back. So it uh, should be a really good uh, battle out there on Sunday night for sure. It should, and the, the, just the talent and the marquee players and the fact it's on the Sunday night showcase game. And uh, there is that the fans will get around the revenge angle out here in Seattle from Super Bowl 49. But the uh, just the fact that it's Tom Brady playing it so well on the, at the level he's playing at right now and the challenge the Seahawks have. It, it, the, the odds here and the, and the tables are pretty much stacked against Seattle, not because just because New England's playing so well and at home, but the Patriots, the Patriots, of course, coming off a bye 
while the Seahawks are coming across the country after playing a Monday night game. So this would be quite a feat if the Seahawks could pull this off. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, offensive line struggles for Seattle. Obviously, you know, it, it has led to Russell Wilson being pretty banged up for the for the most part of this year. It looks like he's starting to get healthy now, but it's also affected their running game. You know, I, I've always remembered the Seahawks over the past few years, obviously with Marshawn Lynch, as a team that can just pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock, but it's not working out that way this year. What's uh, What are you seeing? Well, it, it goes eventually back to the offensive line. The most important reason is that Russell Wilson has not been healthy and hasn't had healthy legs since the second quarter, third quarter of the opening game, September 11th. He has sprained his knee in that game against the Dolphins when Ndamukong Sue sacked him and stepped on his ankle. And then two weeks later, he sprained his left knee, the medial collateral ligament in his left knee, against the 49ers September 25th. So he is still playing and probably will play Sunday night again with a knee brace on the left knee. And he just hasn't run. He hasn't gotten away from defenders like he normally does. Even when the offensive line had failed, as it often had in the previous seasons, Wilson was able to run away from that and still make his improvisational, improbable plays. And with the game and first downs and touchdowns, the offensive line didn't look as bad as it really was. Well, now this year that he's not able to run, not even able to run his read option plays. I mean, he ran one the other night against Buffalo. It was his probably second one in a month that he even attempted. That entire part of his game is gone. He's a, he last year accounted for 25% of the Seahawks' run offense. This year he's accounting for 7%. Last year he scrambled for 19 first downs. This year he scrambled for two so far through eight games. That gives an idea how different he alone not running is to the entire offense. Now you're right, Lynch is home retired, and Thomas Rawls was supposed to be his replacement. He led the league as a rookie last year in the yards per carry. Yet Rawls hasn't played since the second game because of a cracked fibula. He won't play Sunday night against the Patriots. He's still trying to get back from that. So it's been Kristen Michael and a rookie from Notre Dame, C.J. Procise, to be the running game. And it just isn't getting it done. 28th in the league. Is the knee affecting his throwing ability as well? Because, you know, obviously I haven't watched every game for Seattle like you have, but you know, I've always seen the Seattle Seahawks offense as having the, the explosive down-the-field ability. Obviously, that a big part of that has to do with Wilson's legs extending the play, but is the knee affecting his throwing at all? Well, it, the entire offense hasn't had the big play capability. The other that they had in previous years, the Seahawks always measure explosive plays 15 yards or more down the field, and they are way down this year on those. So only against Buffalo the other night did they start to throw the ball down the field, and they we're on the team playing back from the 25-20 loss to New Orleans, and they made a recommitment. They said on that flight back watching the film that let's just throw the ball down the field, and a lot of it meant throw the ball to Jimmy Graham, whether he's covered or not. Wilson has not really done that since Graham got here before last year, and then Graham got his knee injury in November and missed the last month and a half of last season. But only Monday night against Buffalo did he throw the ball even when Graham was covered, and we saw the two one-handed catches in the end zone for touchdowns that Graham pulled off. I think you're going to see Sunday night more of that, even when the Patriots cover Graham, which they're going to devote a lot of their defensive plan to doing. Wilson's now getting to the point that they will throw that he will throw the ball down the field even when he's covered. I think more of that will lead to more explosive plays. But the offensive line, New England has problems in the offensive line too. It's almost an epidemic, I know, in the NFL of offensive linemen right now. But the offensive line is the root of all the Seahawks' problems, including throwing the ball down the field because of lack of pass protection. Well, that's actually where I was going next because, you know, the Patriots 
pass rush has really struggled this year, so that might actually give Wilson a couple extra seconds maybe to throw the ball down the field. But then again, the Patriots' defensive philosophy is we're not going to let you beat us down the field. So they're going to make you beat them over the middle, incrementally moving the ball up the field. So do you think that's still how Seattle is going to attack the Patriots' defense by throwing the ball up the field? Because really that's kind of where the strength of this Patriots' defense lies in, in the back with McCourty and well, the like plan that. when they got Jimmy Graham was throw to Graham, throw to Graham, feature Graham enough that teams had to devote not only safeties, but maybe even nickels or extra defensive backs to potentially double team Graham. And that would leave one-on-ones for Doug Baldwin outside. That's the plan. And if, and if Graham can establish himself like he did against Buffalo the other night, I think you'll start to see better opportunities for Baldwin. So far this year, Baldwin pretty much has been an underneath receiver. And he was a lot of that in the slot last year as well when he led the league with 14 touchdown passes, catches. But by the end of the season, Baldwin started going over the top of defenses. This year, much more underneath. And like you said, that's what the Patriots like to do is force everything underneath. I think that Wilson has shown he is very adept, willing to not force the ball down the field when it's not there. I'm expecting a short passing game with bigger shots down the field to Graham on Sunday night. Let's move it over to the other side of the ball and talk a little bit about the Seahawks' defense. You know, they've been playing pretty well all year long. Really strong, talented group, like you mentioned. You know, I'm sure you've heard over the week Julian Edelman, Tom Brady, both mentioning that, you know, yeah, the Seahawks, they have, you know, they only throw a couple looks at you, but they execute those looks so well that it's really hard to play against them. So, uh, how do you think that the Seahawks' defense is going to fare against Brady and all of them? The, the Seahawks have had success against other teams that they don't have against New England is that the other teams get impatient against the, the Seahawks and they don't play, play the short pass. And the Seahawks do let you get the dump off passes and the crossing offs underneath when they play with their cover twos and cover threes. And, and they put Earl Thomas in the middle of the field as the, as the home run free safety Sherman outside playing bump and run. I mean, they'll even in the bump will give you the short passes and that's what Brady ex- excels at. And, and that's where the challenge lies. The, the biggest issue for Seattle's defense Sunday is that unlike the Super Bowl against the Patriots, Michael Bennett won't be there. And Bennett, and even I've heard Brady quoted as saying that Bennett is, I mean, even yesterday on the conference call with us, he said, that if, I can't imagine that there's a better defensive player in the league than Michael Bennett. Bennett had arthroscopic knee surgery last week. He's going to be out at least a couple more weeks. So he won't be in there to pass rush. Cliff Averill will. He has nine sacks in eight games, having a career season right now. But most of those sacks, all but one and a half of those, have come with Michael Bennett next to him. Bennett has been so good inside, moving from end to tackle on third downs and just being too fast for centers and guards. Frank Clark's trying to do that role now, the second-year guy, their top draft pick last year, but he's nowhere near Michael Bennett. And so if Brady has time, that he may have a lot more time than he did in the Super Bowl because Bennett won't be there. If he has time, that's a big issue for the Seahawks of – of just preventing the six and eight yard passes to the Edelmans and sure they might get to try to go for the big plays, but it's the bread and butter plays of those six and eight yard passes that the Patriots should be able to complete without Bennett in there. So how are the Seahawks going to defend the Patriots two tight end attack? Because obviously, you know, you have Cam Chancellor, who's a big guy. You can cover one of them, but if you're going to cover Rob Gronkowski, you have to cover Martellus Bennett as well. And you know, what are the Seahawks going to do What's their well, it's gonna like be it always has been, Jeremy Lane, the fifth defensive back, is probably someone who will end up covering the second tight end if it's Bennett, and that's a physical mismatch, of course, and that's what the Patriots want to do. 
but they like to keep the Seahawks like to keep Earl Thomas as a roving playing center field playing safety. They would rather not devote him to coverage um, necessarily assigning a responsibility, a man of responsibility. Chancellor, as good and as physical as he is, hasn't played in a month because of a groin pool. This will be his first game in five weeks. And so there's a lot of unknowns there. And a, a pulled groin, if he tries to turn and run with Gronkowski or Bennett, if, if that's going to hold up. And a lot of people, have, and myself included, have foreseen that this might be the beginning of the end for Cam Chancellor in Seattle, the fact that he's missed seven of the previous 11 games. And the middle of the field and tight ends has been a problem for Seattle's defense for two or three seasons now. Cincinnati really exploited that last year. The Rams have had huge success with lesser-known and second-tier tight ends in the passing game against Seattle, and now you have the best tight end passing game in the league they're going to face. Yet another reason I think the odds are really stacked against Seattle is all of this, the Seattle's defensive plan will work if they can get a pass rush. And Seattle's not all about sacks. It's about forcing the ball out, and that's what Michael Bennett is so good at. The Patriots are going to double-team and chip Cliff A. roll, so that really puts an onus on Frank Clark to be even a fraction of effective as Michael Bennett is. And that's really the key to Seattle on Sunday night is to try to make Brady throw it more quickly than he wants to, and, and he's so good at throwing it even on the run and even, even under pressure. What's the mindset of the Seahawks defense coming in this weekend? Are they playing with a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder after the whole, you know, the whole uh, Richard Sherman with the um, well, they always love the champion, running the old the chip on the shoulder. That's like that. their ultimate motivator of a professional athlete, especially the Seahawks and Richard Sherman. So sure, I think they'll they will have that, and they they always think the officials are against them anyway because of an offensive driven league and. Uh, they thought they got ripped off in New Orleans, and I felt they did on the two huge plays the Saints made that were picks on the offensive pass interference by blocking downfield during the pass. And so they already are predispositioned to think that the, everything's stacked against them, the schedule in this case. So, yeah, it won't hurt that they'll be motivated by that. Once the game actually gets going, it's going to be more about getting off the field on third down. And Seattle's allowed 21 of 32 third down conversions the last two weeks. There were 17 play drive for a touchdown. The Bills went on Monday night. That, that's the longest drive the Seahawks have had against them in five years. They've had drives of 17, 15, 13, and 12 plays the last three weeks for scores. And the Patriots, if they do that, uh, it's going to be a really long night for Seattle. All right, so one more before we get you out of here. Uh, how's this one going to play out? You know, I know you said that the, the – it's going to be a tough road for Seattle coming all the way across. I think you're going to see a different Russell Wilson. He's uh, as healthy as he's been, as I mentioned, since the opener. So I think you're going to see more of the familiar scrambling and uh, improvisational plays and maybe even some read option and called runs, which Seattle has not been able to feature in their offense at all. They keep saying they want to run the ball more. I think you're going to see Seattle trying to do that. But I think Wilson's going to make this offense a lot better than it has been recently. I really think it comes down to who the defensive pressure they can generate without Michael Bennett and because Bennett's not in there I really do see the Patriots and Tom Brady's passing game just being a little too much more than the offense for Seattle is going to produce probably like a (laughs) 28-24 same score as Super Bowl 49 type of game in the low to mid 20s and the Patriots they should win Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Seahawks pull it off these are the kind of games the Seahawks do rise up and, and really show themselves they're just not at full strength without Bennett on that defense. All right, great stuff. Greg Bell, Seattle Seahawks beat writer for the Tacoma News Tribune. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at GBellSeattle. Uh, 
thanks a lot, Greg. We'll talk to you soon. Anytime. Thank you. All right, great stuff from Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune, Seattle Seahawks beat writer. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, like I said, at GBellSeattle. Um, let's get to my thoughts on this game. What do I think are going to be the key the key points for this game here? Um, but first, I just want to let you guys know a little bit about Omaha Steaks and the unbelievable package they have right now. Family gift pack, only $49.99. When you go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code BEAT in the search bar, which is a 77% savings off their normal price. Guys, you need this family gift pack. Omaha Steaks has over 500 gourmet gift ideas. They only have the highest quality cuts and ingredients, that one-of-a-kind flavor that you can't get anywhere else. Convenient, quick shopping for those on your list. Uh, Aged for 21 days to unlock the full flavors of the cuts, and let me tell you, they are full-flavored. Every cut is hand-trimmed. They're all vacuum-sealed, so you can keep them for as long as you need. You also get online recipes, wine pairings, so much stuff. It's unbelievable, honestly. Um, the most flavorful tender-aged beef that I've ever had, I'll be honest with you. But not only beef. You'd think Omaha Steaks, you're thinking beef. But no, they also have poultry, pork, veal, lamb, seafood, veggies, desserts, appetizers, pastas, anything you could possibly want, they have over at Omaha Steaks. Let me tell you about the, the family gift pack that they have, guys. The kind of stuff that you get right in here. Two filet mignons, two top sirloins, two boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, four kielbasa sausages, four burgers, a 12-ounce package of all-beef meatballs, four potatoes au gratin, four caramel apple tartlets, plus an Omaha steak seasoning package, and they even throw in four additional kielbasa sausages for free into this family gift pack. And did I mention it's $49.99 when you go to omahasteaks.com and enter my code BEAT in the search bar. 77% off. All that meat. Guys, I I got the package last week. Got it delivered to my house. Came freeze-dried. It was, everything was there. All sorts of, I mean, it it could barely fit in my freezer. There was so much stuff. That's the first thing. And now, I mean... Me and my girlfriend have been eating like royalty for, for a week, and we still have plenty of food left. Guys, this is this is the only thing you need right now on your holiday list is this family gift pack. Be sure to go to omahasteaks.com and enter my code BEAT in the search bar. That's the main search bar on the website. Go ahead and enter the code BEAT, and then add the family gift pack to your shopping cart, and you'll be able to get that all that meat taken home for $49.99. Again, that is omahasteaks.com and enter the code BEAT in the search bar. So, th- this game coming up, guys. The main questions for me on, on the Patriots' side of the ball. Can the offense keep rolling? I mean, Tom Brady has looked unstoppable over the first four games of the season, or four games of his season, I should say. 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's already thrown for almost 1,400 yards. Um, can he keep that up? Now, this is a defense that we're going to test. We just heard from Greg Bell. This defense is, is very talented. Very good very good players at all levels of the defense. They have good pass rushers, even without Michael Bennett. They have great linebackers with Bobby Wagner and you know all those guys. And then the secondary is, is terrifying for opposing offenses when you got Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas at safety and then Richard Sherman, Jeremy Lane, all these guys out in, uh, on the corners. So it, it's definitely going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough. 
What I think it's going to be, I think, and I mentioned it to Greg Bell there, I think the two tight end set is going to be the way to attack the Seattle defense. Greg kind of admitted it as well. He said, hey, I mean, Cam Chancellor is coming off of a groin injury, so he might not be 100%. He would be the guy to cover one of the tight ends. But then who's going to cover the other tight end? Because I wasn't aware that, that Greg Bell enlightened me there. I wasn't aware that they, they keep Earl Thomas in center field. They don't have him cover people, which I think is kind of interesting that he, that he only plays center field. He doesn't really cover people. Not that he'd really be able to cover either of these guys anyway. I think Earl Thomas is like 5'11". Or something like that, going up against a six foot six Rob Gronkowski or a six foot seven Martellus Bennett, that just wouldn't happen. Even Camp Chancellor at six foot three is is a physical mismatch. You know what I mean? So I think the two tight end set is the way to attack. And I think now, obviously, when Michael Bennett not playing, it'll be a little bit easier for the Patriots to open up the field and be able to pull the tight ends out. I originally thought the tight ends were going to be stuck to the line of scrimmage this this week. With all the pass rushes that Seattle has and the offensive line woes for the Patriots, I'm thinking, well, you know, the, 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 they'll probably keep Rob Gronkowski in a little bit more. They'll probably keep Martellus Bennett in a little bit more and maybe only a couple catches for each of them. Now I'm thinking, well, M- Michael Bennett, not on the field. They still have a bunch of good pass rushers, but they have one less good pass rusher. So maybe that opens up one of those Rob Gronkowski down the seam plays or Martellus Bennett sneaking out behind everybody and catching a touchdown pass. So I think the two tight end set is going to be the way to go in this one. The, the the Seattle Seahawks run defense, not as stout as it has been in the past where it's been like unbelievable, but still a good run defense. So expect to see uh, LeGarrette Blunt with a bunch of one-yard runs and zero-yard runs and things like that. That's just, I mean, that's just par for the course for LeGarrette Blunt, let's be honest. But uh, I think that's probably what you're going to be able to expect. They're going to run the ball consistently because they're going to try to open up the play-action pass game and things like that. They're going to try to uh, do a lot of screen plays and things like that, a lot of delays, a lot of stuff like that. And I'm expecting, I mean, if Deion Lewis plays, I'm expecting him to have an impact and in the screen game and in the run game. So I think the Patriots offense is going to be just fine in this one. Uh, I think Tom Brady knows what to expect from him, and he said he knows what to expect from him during his, his press conferences this week, saying, yeah, they only throw a couple different looks at you, but they're so good at it that, you know, it's difficult to play against them. Well, if, if that's the case, Tom Brady's seen them a couple of times. He played them in the regular season a few years ago, obviously played them in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So he's seen what they what they have to offer. Now it's just a matter of going out there and executing the game plan that will defeat them. You know what I mean? So, And Tom Brady has more weapons this year than he has had at any time in his career ever, ever. So I think this, I think the Patriots will probably come away with this one, honestly. It's not going to be too tough of a win. It's going to be a hard-fought win, but I think by the end of the game, you know, LeGarrette Blunt starts getting rolling in that fourth quarter. They score a late touchdown, maybe a late field goal as well, and they kind of pull away from this one late. Um but, you know, there's still on the other side of the ball. Russell Wilson is getting healthier. I mean, that can't be denied. He looked like crap at the beginning of this season, partially because he was getting destroyed because the offensive line is so bad. But it looks like he's getting a little healthier over the past couple weeks. He had a good game against Buffalo on Monday night, and it looks like he's really starting to turn it on. Now, 
Could that have something to do with uh, Jimmy Graham making him look really good on Monday night with a couple of one-handed catches and things like that? Yeah, sure, that's, that's all well and good. But I don't think it would be wise for the Patriots to go into this game thinking, well, Russell Wilson isn't at full strength, or, well, Russell Wilson's dealing with a knee and an ankle issue so he won't be as mobile. I think that's the time when you get when you get burned by Russell Wilson's legs. So be careful of Russell Wilson's legs. Granted, the Patriots did just come off a game against a very similar type of quarterback in Tyrod Taylor where they, where they did not play well against him, where Tyrod Taylor you know, busted that big, what was it, 19-yard touchdown run up the middle after, uh, after a, a, the coverage broke down, and he was you know, scrambling all around, getting, extending plays with his legs and things like that. It's definitely an issue for the Patriots, and obviously we know the Patriots have massive pass rush issues whether by design or not. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Russell Wilson does in this game for sure. But uh, enough about hearing from what I have to say about this, guys, honestly, because I'm not as plugged in as a guy like Kyle Hightower of the Associated Press who's down in Foxborough all the time covering this team. So uh, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back with Kyle Hightower of the Associated Press and uh, get his thoughts on the game. CLNS Radio's leading online coverage of the Boston Celtics now even more comprehensive than ever. From the Celtics post-game show to the Guard Report to CSL and to Celtics Beat, CLNS Radio's Boston Celtics news feed provides narrated breaking news, game recaps, and news and notes for the NBA's winningest franchise, all provided in real time. Don't have the time to surf the web or search engines and plunge your head into your computer or smartphone to read up on all the latest on the Celtics? No problem. Multitask while listening to CLNS's Celtics news feed. And for the 2016-17 NBA campaign, the Boston Celtics pregame report with myself, Larry A. Trussell, will be released on the news feed on game days at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, making it the first pregame report to air anywhere. We will give you a featured interview from someone providing opposing insight, pregame notes, and go on a Celtics draft pick watch, all in just 12 minutes or less. Available on the Boston Celtics news feed on iTunes and Stitcher, and the CLNS Radio mobile podcast app. All right, we are here with Kyle Hightower, Associated Press Writer for All Things Boston. We're talking Patriots and Seahawks right now. Uh, Kyle, how's it going, man? Doing well, Mike. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's you know we're finally in that after effect of all the political and election stuff, and now we're going to sit down, and it's finally good to just sit down and uh, talk some football once again. Oh, absolutely. Uh, skate for us all is the old takes again, so uh, eager to talk about some football, man. Well, let's jump right into it, and we'll talk about Deion Lewis, uh, you know, participating in his third consecutive week of practice after coming off the PUP list on October 27th. I believe they have to activate him by next Thursday at the latest. So uh, how's Lewis looking out there on the practice field this week? Uh, he's looking good. The limited uh, bit of, you know, uh, practice we get to see, you know, he's, he's moving around well. You know, he's looking you know, looking better than he did back in minicamp when he made his, his first day after the, knee, uh, the initial knee surgery. Uh, so he's looking like he, he's on track. Um, I'm sure the Patriots are in a position right now where they're not trying to rush him back. They're obviously the run game is in is in good shape with McGarrett Blunt uh, and, and their passing attack as well. Um, you know, out of the backfield. So they, there's no need to rush him back, say this week. But uh, I think they want to give him all the time they can to evaluate and see where he's at. But I think we are looking at him on track of being activated probably next week. So how does this affect the Patriots' offense? Because, you know, obviously at this point, 
LeGarrette Blunt is running the ball really well. James White is receiving the ball really well. Their running backs are really kind of contributing well for them right now. Does this throw things off, bringing Deion Lewis back into the mix? Does that shake things up, or does that just keep the machine rolling? Uh, I think it's keep it moving, actually. I mean, you, you could say the same thing with, you know, Martellus Bennett started the year at tight end. You know, that was kind of, you know, with two backup quarterbacks throwing the ball to him. Uh, Brady was able to step back in. Obviously, he's Tom Brady, but he was able to step back in and integrate. Martellus Bennett integrate Rock, integrate the new guys like Chris Hogan into the offense. Uh, so some tell you that this, this group is going to be going to do a good job of finding a way to make it work. And one thing that uh, you know, Josh, De- Josh McDaniels and, and Bill Belichick like is his options, and that's what that's what uh, that's what he'll give them. Uh, just another guy I'll throw in there. You, know, you mentioned James White in there; he's been doing well in the backfield. But Deion Lewis is their pass catching back. Uh, and I think as the season wears on, you work towards the playoffs. They need options. They need bites. They don't know. You know, the health, of, the health of guys and how long, you know, guys are going to remain completely healthy. They've been lucky so far, but injuries can hit. I think this is a, a way of kind of uh, sharing up their bet and give themselves options as the season progresses. I want to get your thoughts on the offense as a whole. Uh, you know, especially over the past couple of weeks, we've seen the emergence of Chris Hogan as a factor in the, you know, down the field game, throwing the ball deep. So at this point, it really looks like the Patriots have an offense that, they have at least one person on every level who can attack a defense. So they can run the ball well. They can catch the ball out of the backfield well. They can do the over-the-middle receptions really well. They have the deep threat in Hogan. And then obviously your two tight ends who are arguably the biggest threat on the field all the time. So I guess my question is, is there a weakness to this Patriots offense right now? I mean, if there is, they're doing a great job of masking it. Uh, just like you said, I mean, you have so many guys, so many different options you can go to. It's hard for a defense to uh, to attack them, and I think that's going to be a real a real test for them this week with Seattle because Seattle would seem to be a defense that obviously is, is equated with these guys and Owen Well had a, you know had time to prepare for them uh, in the Super Bowl in 2015. Uh, you know they're considered to be one of the top defenses even though they've struggled a little bit at times this year. And you know this is the kind of defense that's going to really test and see where this offense is at for the Patriots. And you know and, and you know, Seattle's not going to hold back. They're going to they're going to blitz them. They got you know some of the best uh, you know secondary guys in the league. Uh, they're going to they're going to test uh, all the weapons that the Patriots have, and I'm really 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 anxiously looking toward this week to see how they perform against the top notch defense. What are your thoughts on the uh, comments that uh, Tom Brady and Julian Edelman made this week on uh, their respective interviews on WEI, talking about the Seahawks' defense in terms of you know they only run a couple different schemes, but they run them so well. That it's still hard to play against them. Um, is that is that what you're seeing on the film as well? Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, the thing about Seattle is, you know, they're, they're going to be missing a piece this week. You know, with, with Michael Bennett out. Uh, so uh, it's interesting to see how the how the Patriots try to exploit that. Uh, you know, these guys are great tacticians, tacticianary guys, and and looking for those pieces and, and exploiting them. So uh, it's interesting to see how the Patriots attack it. But uh, we have again, Pittsburgh was tough. Uh, the Bills played, you know, played the played the Patriots twelve twice. Uh, for Chowdhury's defensively, defensive wise for the Patriots, but again, this this week is, is is a telltale week. They're getting into the into the that good part of the football season, where you know guys, have, you know, they've seen a lot of tape, a lot of different teams, a lot of tapes to evaluate, and you know this is this is where we're going to see if this Patriots team is built for a long run in the, in the postseason. See, my thought process coming into this game, at least before we heard about the Michael Bennett news that he's not going to be playing. Uh, I was thinking that this is one of those games where the Patriots keep in their tight ends tight to the line, 
do a lot of blocking, not too much of the two tight end attack. But now when you think about, okay, well, Bennett's not in there. Granted, there's still plenty of good pass rushers on the Seattle defense, but do you think that now this frees up the tight ends to be able to maybe get down the field and attack vertically a little bit more instead of staying in? Um, absolutely. And so that, you know, is getting Markel Bennett and, and Rob Gronkowski out of, out, you know, into it more involved in some of the, the longer uh, deep, deep, play, uh, uh, deep plays in this season already. So, again, it's that option thing you don't want to ever give the Patriots, and they're going to have something to leave with, with Bennett out. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how they want to play it because what they have about Gronkowski with having, having Chris Hogan, having uh, Martellus Bennett, is he hasn't taken the wear and carries he's taken in, in, a, in a couple of the, of the previous uh, seasons. Uh, so he's going to be a lot fresher, you know, at this point of the season than he, than he might have been, you know, a year or two ago. Uh, so, you know, and, and having Gronk as a, as a weapon, a uh, fresh weapon uh, against you is something Seattle is definitely not looking forward to. And, again, it, it's a juggernaut right now, but, uh, you know, this is how it all plays out. Switch it over to the other side of the ball. Uh, this will obviously be the first week that we'll see the defense without Jamie Collins. So uh, I guess the que- what, what are you expecting to see out there? I'm assuming it's going to be a Landon Roberts that's going uh, to be He is. That's, that's our indication here in, as well. And, uh, you know, he, he seems ready for it. I mean, you know, he's a guy who's kind of surprised this year definitely. And uh, I think gave the pitch a lot of confidence to make the trade that they made. Uh, you, know, um, you know, in Dylan Collins away, they're saying, hey, we can get by. Uh, it kind of reminds me, uh, you know, of what happened with Chandler Jones. You know, they said they made a calculated decision. They got contracts coming up. Uh, you know, uh, we're willing to pay this guy long-term money, and can we get by without him? They made the decision they could. Chris Long came in. He's doing well. He's doing. He's being productive. And the Patriots haven't limited Mr. the beat defensively. They're banking the same thing's going to happen here with with Jamie Collins leaving, and you know, Landon, a young guy like Atlanta Roberts, Roberts coming in to the full spot. So. Uh, we'll see, you know, if another move by Belichick in that in that front office uh, pays off. It's crazy. It's like it's one of those things where it's like, wow, it's you know, trading away a, a an All Pro linebacker like Jamie Collins. He's so good. A lot of people picking him as a defensive player of the year candidate. And your most athletic guy. And your most athletic guy on the team. And then you sure. think back, you know, so. Right, and, and then you go back and look at it. All the different times where you know. Exhibit A, Darrell Rivas, uh, who is a shell of himself now after Belichick cuts bait and moves on right when he needed to. Uh, Richard Seymour obviously had a couple of good years in Oakland, but, you know, same thing there. Uh, Lawyer Malloy, it, really, it's almost hard to argue at this point. Almost it is. And, you know, it, it goes point, to show, really. you know, the guys he's got, the talent of he's got, um, you know, in that front offensive round, and they really crunch the numbers. And, I mean, it's a data, a data-driven league. And uh, they, they've really got down to a science as far as being able, like you said, being able to really calculate when guys have reached their limit. And obviously, you know, with the guys like Chandler Jones, oh, Jamie Collins, these guys have a lot of years ahead of them. But I think this is more of a calculated decision than saying, you know, uh, can we make up what these guys can do um, with some, you know, with the younger guys, at least, you know, least, least expensive guys, you know, we can, we can break in here and still make it work. And I think, again, I think that Chris Long, his production this season has been a big uh, boost to them, boost to their confidence to being able to, to do some things they've done. Uh, and he has some throwaway guys who they picked up like, uh, like, like Mingo, or maybe Mingo, who if need be, play a lot of special teams, but if need be, they can toss him in there too. Uh, I think we have Dante Hightower, we've come back, had the knee, had the knee thing earlier this year, but he's come back strong. So he's healthy, he's producing. 
So, uh, again, it, it, it's a little riverboat gambling by Belichick, but it, it comes with a lot of data uh, collection a lot of, and a lot of smart calculation, I think. Uh, let me get your opinion on this because I think this is another aspect of the Jamie Collins deal, and that is that the Patriots have decided who they're going to pay. They're going to pay Dante Hightower, and they're going to pay Malcolm Butler. Um, uh, I, I think you are, and I, I think right it's wise. I mean, I think, you know, Dante Hightower is, is a leader, uh, you know, of that defense, you know, both uh, on the field and in the locker room, a guy, a guy a lot of people respect. Uh, you know, so I think you got to keep him around and, and, and reward him. And, hey, look, Malcolm Butler has is, is, is kind of grown into the, the callus of that secondary. Uh, we all remember what he did in the Super Bowl against this, against this uh, Seahawks team coming up uh, two years ago, you know, in 2015 in the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, he, he's a guy who's really bought into the Belichick and the Patriot way, and they love those guys who are going to keep up all that and kind of indoctrinate guys as they come in, into that. Uh, so they go, you make those calculations and – you know, they, these guys have been circled as, as being the future of the roster. And obviously I'm a little bit partial to Dante Hightower. We, stand, we share the same last name. So uh, I, think he's a, I think he's a guy that uh, the Patriots are like. And, you know, they, they have a way of these linebackers, too, these middle linebacker guys who, who come in there they can really build off and really be the centerpiece of, of defense for years to come. And if Hightower's another guy like that. So this uh, Patriots pass rush is just, is just god-awful. And – Coincidentally, the Seattle Seahawks offensive line is god awful. So, uh, I, I guess the question here is: is which side gives at this point? Do, do the Patriots actually get a pass rush going in this game? Uh, are they even going to try? I mean, w- w- what are you thinking on this one? Yeah, it's going to be it's tough. Gonna and even, Seattle, even if it does, they get some pressure opinion. on Russell Wilson. He's a guy who's going to be evasive. Uh, he's kind of, I, mean, I know he's been you know kind of hobbled and taking some some pounding this year, but he's a guy who you don't want to get out there in space. I think this is going to be a game to be played on, on the edges uh, as far as, you know, the, the Patriots defense versus Seattle's offense goes. Uh, Russell Wilson is going to have to throw the ball downfield, and it's going to be old guys like Michael Butler, uh, Devin McCourty, uh, you know, having that secondary to really produce uh, this week uh, for that defense. Because uh, like, like you said, even the line, you know, they've been injured. They've been kind of cobbling guys together. They lost Anthony Johnson today and signed with the Jets. Uh, you know, so he's not, he's not an option to bring up the practice squad anymore and, and help fill that out. So, um, you know, it's going to be a challenge for, for both ways, for the, like I said, for the Patriots D-line and, and for the, the Seahawks offensive line, which is, as you mentioned, has been, uh, you know, is very disappointing this year. All right, uh, Kyle, one last one before we get you out of here. Uh, how, how's this one going to go down? I mean, the Seahawks have been playing well lately, but, uh, you know, the Patriots have been playing – well, lately, you know, even better. So, uh, what do you think is going to happen in this one? You know what? I think we're going to find out a lot in the in the first quarter. Uh, if if the Patriots move the ball and you know put up points in the first two drives, you know, let's say it's going to be a long day for Seattle because this this offense has not been built uh, throughout the season to be an offense that can play from behind. They they were able to pull some of those miracle comebacks in you know last couple of years, but I don't think this team has to shake it out right now. The hell the production of guys, Seattle's not built to be able to play from behind too much. But if Seattle's defense can step up and find, you know, it can play like they, they played, like, say, like last week in that, you know, in that god-awful, you know, tie game, uh, you know, then, you know, it's, it's going to be a close game. It could be down to, you know, Brady versus Russell type thing. But I think in the end, I think the Patriots are, are, are just playing, are playing well. They're rested, coming off a of bye week. 
Tom Brady, you know, in that offense, they have, you know, he's got the right interception. The quarterback's got the right interception. Take care of the ball. The run game's playing well. I think that'll mask some of their, their shortcomings they've had on the defensive line. I think that the Patriots win by four. All right, Kyle Hightower, Associated Press. Follow him on Twitter, at K Hightower. Thanks a lot, Kyle. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. All right, there you have it. There's Kyle Hightower of the Associated Press here in Boston giving his thoughts on the game. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, like I said, at, Ky- at K Hightower. Excuse me. Uh, so anyway, let, let's uh, we're running out of time here, so I'll just give you my thoughts on this game or my prediction for this game. I think the Patriots are going to take the win. I think they're going to win it 27-17. to uh, It'll be close for the most part. It'll be within a touchdown for much of the game. I, f- I see the Patriots leading 24-17. With you know about six, six, five or six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and then driving down the field, kicking a field goal, and walking away with a ten-point win uh, at home. So, uh, but be sure, guys, after the game, I know it's a late game. It's an 8:30 start, which means uh, it's going to be a late night anyway. But be sure after the game, tune into the CLNS Radio New England Patriots post-game show. We'll be going on air probably around midnight. As soon as the final whistle blows, we will be on air. Uh, coming at you guys. You can get us at clnsradio.com. You can get us at Blog Talk Radio. You can get us on iTunes. You can get us on Stitcher. You can get us on the CLNS Radio mobile app. You can get us all sorts of places. So be sure to tune in there. Call us up live, 929-477-2386. Give us your thoughts on the game. Check us out on Twitter, at CLNS, at PostGM. And uh, you can also follow our account here at Patriots underscore Beat uh, for updates as well. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's Patriots Beat podcast, guys. Uh, if you want to support the show, please go ahead and give us a subscription, a rating, and a review on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, today's show is presented to you by Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the promo code PATRIOTS for more than 50% off a custom-made suit. And also by Omaha Steaks. OmahaSteaks.com. Use the promo code BEAT in the main search bar for 77% off of the family gift pack. Uh, music today was provided by High209 and Joshua Morse. I want to thank our guests, Kyle Hightower of the Associated Press and Greg Bell from the Tacoma News Tribune. For CLNS Radio Executive Producer, Lowry H. Russell, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who tuned in. Uh, Harris will be back next week. My name is Michael Longi, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Radio.